The Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. How long will it go on? Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mark Webster. Ukrainians in the capital of Kyiv marking today's one-year anniversary of the Russian invasion. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. It was a year of endurance, a year of compassion, a year of bravery, a year of pain, a year of hope, a year of perseverance, a year of unity, and we will do everything to win this year. Both Ukraine and Russia seem determined to fight on, leaving no clear end to the invasion in sight. The thing to do here is for Putin to pull the plug. That doesn't look like it's going to happen. Steve Biddle with the Council on Foreign Relations, who says despite a new round of billions in U.S. aid, what's being sent won't tip the scales decisively in Ukraine's direction. The equipment per se is probably not going to make a decisive difference in the outcome of the war. The White House also today announcing new sanctions against Russia. The White House calls them sweeping sanctions, which involve over 200 people and entities. In addition to the sanctions, the Biden administration has announced additional restrictions on exports to Russia, as well as higher tariffs on some Russian products that are imported into the U.S. CBS's Linda Kenyon. Well, scripture says no one enters into battle without first counting the cost. CBS's Charlie Daggett accounts the cost one year into Russia's Ukraine invasion to those countries and to ours. Both Ukraine and Russia have paid dearly over the past year. Estimates say more than 200,000 people have been killed or wounded. There is no sign of this war ending. Both sides are dug in. While the Ukrainian soldiers are full of determination and hope, they insist what they really need are more weapons and ammunition. So just what will it take to boot Russia out of Ukraine? Retired General Jack Keane tells Fox News it only happens if the U.S and the West provide fighter jets and other advanced weaponry. Keene says the U.S. needs to stop with the piecemeal arming of Ukraine and go all in. If we retreat in the face of Russian aggression, like Obama did in 2014 and like Biden did in Afghanistan, what do we get as a result of that? History gives us the answer. It's more aggression. All right. Other news this day. More House hearings on the southern border crisis. One speaker, Dr. Robert Trinchell of the Yuma Medical Center in Arizona which has been overwhelmed by illegal migrant patients. Our reality is this. We have delivered over $26 million in uncompensated care to these individuals in the 12-month period from December 21 to November 22. It is an unsustainable model to have a hospital like ours bear the entire burden of paying for migrant health care. We cannot provide completely free care to the residents of our community, so the situation is simply not fair and understandably concerning to them. No congressional Democrats participated in that session, which was entitled Biden's Border Crisis. We see occasional blizzard conditions here in the listing area, but in Los Angeles County, California, that's pretty rare. Heavy snow and fierce winds from a historic winter storm are creating whiteout conditions along Northern California's major mountain roads. The National Weather Service says the storm could bring 75 mile per hour wind gusts and up to seven feet of snow with dangerous blizzard conditions in elevated communities surrounding Los Angeles. How often is it snow in Southern California? CBS's Carter Evans reporting. Oxford medical researchers have finished a major study that say you and others around the country probably did not really benefit from wearing a COVID mask over the past three years. Mark, all those masks 
All those months, all those mandates, no medical benefit. That's harsh news to hear, but a new Oxford University study says that mask mandates did nothing beneficial at all during COVID anywhere in the world. The Oxford team says any government officials who enacted mask mandates had been convinced by flawed observational studies that masks produce better outcomes. The health evidence now says that's not true. Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. Uh, thank you, Greg. Liftoff. A new ride back to Earth for Rubio, Prokopiev, and Patelin takes aim on the International Space Station. A Soyuz spacecraft on its way to the International Space Station on a mission to provide a way back to Earth for NASA astronaut Frank Rubio and two Russian cosmonauts. The spacecraft that brought Rubio and those Russians to the space station started leaking coolant after an apparent micrometeor or punctured an external radiator. The same thing appeared to happen again earlier this month when a small space rock punched a hole in a Russian cargo ship. A publisher's controversial decision to make some childhood classics by Arthur Roald Dahl more woke has been modified after a lot of backlash. Augusto Stinkhardt, save some room for later. Days after Penguin Random House announced it would get rid of potentially offensive passages in the author's books, referring to things like an enormously fat child in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the publisher says it'll offer both versions. Critics, including Salman Rushdie, pounced over the original decision. CBS's Deborah Rodriguez. And American college campuses are still buzzing in the wake of what's come to be known as the Asbury Awakening, a 13-day continuous worship service. Cedarville University in Ohio is among them. Freshman Lothia Gade. All revival, or whatever we want to call it, starts with the Lord, and I think that it's marked by a genuine turning away from sin and a turning towards God. And junior Donald Osborne tells Fox News. Of my time here at Cedarville, it's been nothing like I've ever seen before. Oh. Uh, and it was just, it was very eye-opening. It was very inspiring. Uh, and after those two days, uh, our university president was like, hey, you guys can keep worshiping, but uh, you need to go out. You need to evangelize. Uh, that's the next step here. Cedarville University is southeast of Dayton, Ohio. Still to come on the noon report this day, cleanup continues from an icy upstate mess. Governor Hochul's flight costs are running sky high. And did Pennsylvania's governor violate his own ban? Well, good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams, coming for a brisk and cold start to the weekend with a few lake flakes and some sunny breaks. Forecast details coming up in 10. All right, thank you, Kevin. Now checking the stories making news where you live in New York and Pennsylvania. Still cleaning up in many areas of upstate New York following an ice storm which knocked out power to tens of thousands and left a tangle of limbs and branches on the ground. As the sun rose this morning, it was the only light and warmth for about 5,000 NYSEG customers in Erie County still without power. This lady had a generator cranking as she spoke with WGRZ. This generator, you said that's actually a Owner? Yeah, a friend of ours, oh, we borrowed it from them uh, a couple hours ago. That's wonderful. So hopefully not too much longer. <laughs> and this man was keeping things warm with natural gas. That's a hot topic, of course, given New York Democrats' drive to eliminate its use in New York State in the name of fighting climate change. We have a gas fireplace in the back room, so that's keeping the house warm, which is nice. Otherwise, we'd you know, put on the fireplace, and you know that only goes so far. Uh, particularly for this reason right here, I thought about it today, because the gas fireplace is my backup. You know, if the electric goes out, what's your backup? Good question. It's pretty much the same situation in the Rochester area today. It's uh, pretty dramatic scenes out here, honestly, when you consider that just five days ago it was 60 degrees outside. 
Sam Carter with Wham News in Rochester, who says trees and tree limbs are littering the ground there as well. 300 extra utility workers have been brought into the area to try to speed up repairs to downed lines. I can tell you that our crews are responding right now. That's Dysegg's Alexis Arnold. The fallout from that toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, continues, and not just in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Many have criticized Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who lives very close by to the scene, for failing to show up there until this week. Ash Ashley Bennett of Darlington, Pennsylvania, just five miles from the accident scene, says the federal government does need to do more to prevent accidents such as this one, in which the NTSB says warnings about a bad axle on one of those derailed cars went unheeded. Um, it absolutely was preventable. Uh, you know, we need to make sure that we're doing proper maintenance. And um, when, you know, an alarm goes off, that, that alarm is there for a reason. And uh, they should have stopped and absolutely 100% was preventable instead of trying to make it on into Conway, Pennsylvania. Concerns over toxic train derailments are heightened now, and officials in Chautauqua County, New York, are taking the hint, revamping their response plans. City of Dunkirk Fire Chief Michael Edwards tells WKBW. One of our biggest concerns here is that, uh, you know, the railroads run right through our not only our business district, but also right through uh, residential areas. Adds Dunkirk Mayor Wilfred Rosas. I think that we have uh, plans in place. We are currently updating those plans in the form of making sure we have updated information there, contact information, and things of that nature. Emergency plans call for City of Dunkirk Fire and Police to be the initial responders in the event of a Chautauqua County rail mishap. A lockdown at the Nichols School in Buffalo this morning after reports came in of an active shooter there. However, thankfully, it turned out not to be the case. Buffalo Police spokesman Mike George says no evidence was found of an active shooter situation as Buffalo police swept that building looking for threats. The one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine is especially poignant for a pair of Hilton, New York families who've been waiting to be reunited with Ukrainian boys they hope to adopt. We're just hoping it's not too much longer. Marissa Pulsey and her husband David tell Wham they've been trying to bring home 11-year-old Bodan since 2021. He just wants to come home. He asks all the time, how much longer? Is there anything more that's being done? And we can't tell him too much. We want to give him hope. But of course, you know, we don't want to give him any sort of a timeline when we don't have one ourselves. Meantime, Melissa Nowicki and her husband Joe are patiently waiting to be reunited with 12-year-old Alexi. It's tough. I mean, we think of him as our own child, even though on papers he's not technically ours. It's hard being thousands of miles away from a child, let alone thousands of miles away from a child who's in a war-torn country. The families are working with Congressman Joe Morelli to speed things along, but they say the Federal Department of State should be doing more to help bring those boys home to western New York. To Pennsylvania, members of Governor Josh Shapiro's administration say the governor hasn't violated his own gift ban. The fact that he and his top staff attended the Super Bowl as guests of a nonprofit has received scrutiny. The new policy says executive branch employees aren't allowed to accept tickets from any person or entity that deals financially with the state. Abby Smith of Team Pennsylvania tells Spotlight PA her group isn't covered by that ban because it does not recommend policy. The administration awarded the organization a new contract worth $100,000 to 
conduct a study on how to incorporate hydrogen technology into Pennsylvania's energy system. A state senator from PA wants to keep a promise to taxpayers by providing property tax relief through gambling revenue. That story from Family Life's Terry Diener. When gambling was first legalized in Pennsylvania, lawmakers said the revenue would be used to reduce property taxes. Senator Kristen Phillips-Hill says somewhere along the line that changed. The senator says her bill will reduce property tax and could possibly eliminate it altogether. Legalized gambling was approved in Pennsylvania in 2004. Sports betting and online gambling were legalized in 2017. Terry Diener, Family Life News. Thank you, Terry. A new proposal in PA would make it easier for students to take days off from school whenever needed. A Pennsylvania lawmaker says students should be allowed to take absences without a doctor's note for mental health days. State Representative Napoleon Nelson announced plans to introduce the legislation in a memo to House members. Nelson's bill would allow students to take three excused absences for mental health reasons without a doctor's note. Oregon and Utah have implemented similar measures for students. Nelson said that providing mental health days would encourage students to take care of their mental health as they would their physical health. According to Nelson's memo, about one in three high school students reported experiencing poor mental health. Nelson believes the plan would help normalize mental health supports in schools. Brian Query, Family Life News. All right. Thank you very much, Brian. It was the Sabres shooting lightning bolts in Tampa Bay last night. Here's Bob Price with Check of Sports. Yeah, Mark, you know I got to start here with you being the biggest Buffalo Sabres fan there is. Ilya Labushkin scoring a shorthanded goal in overtime, helping Buffalo beat Tampa last night 6-5 to after the game. Labushkin was asked, What was it like to see it go in? It's nice. It's always nice. Always nice to score the game-winning goal, especially against a two-time Stanley Cup champ. Buffalo led 5-3 in the third, but Tampa rallied to force the extra session. The Sabres are now in a 16 battle for two wildcard bursts in the Eastern Conference. Football news, Amazon's Jeff Bezos may be interested in buying the Washington Commanders. He's hired an investment firm to look into it. Aaron Rodgers has emerged from his darkness retreat. The Green Bay Packers quarterback spent four days and four nights in a cave in Oregon. Apparently, there's a healing power to light deprivation. Rogers hopes the darkness isolation gives him a better sense of where he is in life. The Packers say he won't be back next year. The Atlanta Hawks are looking at former Utah Jazz coach Quinn Snyder as a possible replacement for Nate McMillan, who was fired this week. The Boston Celtics keep finding ways to win. The league's best team beat Indiana in overtime last night. Guard Jalen Brown. I thought we played well. Um, we let them come and get going, but we, we weathered the storm and got a win today. Boston improving to 43-17 and 17 on the season. The Lakers beat Golden State to keep their playoff hopes alive. Local sports news next, the Pennsylvania Interscholastic Athletic Association has just instituted a new rule that could cause some athletes to lose a year of eligibility. It prevents student athletes from redshirting by repeating the eighth grade for no reason. This has been going on a lot in the Philadelphia area. And Mark, it's a sure sign that spring is right around the corner. Baseball's spring training starts today with three games on tap. Play ball at the Family Life Sports Desk. I'm Bob Price. All right, thank you, Bob. Still ahead, Satan Clubs, the Asbury Experience, and a closer look at capital punishment. Family Life's Bob Price dives deeper with Christian watchdogs Jason McGuire and Michael Gear on the issues that matter most in Albany and Harrisburg on Capital Connection. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. 
Human beings, John Calvin said, are incurably religious creatures. Left to our own device, we'll start worshiping something or someone, whether or not that means dabbling in the supernatural and calling on spirits, holy or otherwise. This is true even for those who don't take the supernatural seriously. Such people might assume that their dabbling is harmless or artistically edgy, but they could not be more dangerously mistaken. Writing earlier this month in the New York Times, Ross Douthat commented on the growing interest in astrology, manifesting videos on TikTok, and spiritual exploration with psychedelic drugs. These things, he argues, are signs that our supposedly secular culture is in the midst of a spiritual awakening, one that involves the wrong types of spirits. Unrestrained by any theology or organized faith, people eager for transcendence are opening doors, without ever really considering what might walk through them. For example, Douthat notes the golden statue of a woman-like creature recently placed on top of a New York City courthouse. The bizarre figure features hair braided into horns, arms reminiscent of tentacles, and a lace collar, an apparent homage to the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's an unsettling mashup of earth goddess abortion politics and classic demon imagery that embodies our society's experimental spirituality. More overtly hellish antics took the stage at this month's Grammy Awards, where so-called non-binary pop singer Sam Smith literally dressed up as the devil and performed a song called Unholy with transgender artist Kim Petras. Progressive commentators were quick to lecture religious conservatives who were supposedly freaking out over Smith's horns and hooves. Quote, these performers probably don't actually believe the devil exists, said one left-wing host. It's just artistic expression. Maybe flirtations with spiritual darkness are only a big bluff. But what if Satan caused that bluff? It may just be that our post-Christian society is about to learn what Christians have always taught, that not all spiritual entities are friendly or helpful. A chilling article back in 2018 in The Atlantic chronicled a growing demand for official Catholic exorcist. Even while practicing Catholics dwindle as a share of the population, something's going on that psychologists just can't handle. Modern Westerners' naive approach to the spiritual realm, treating it like a game or a joke or a political sting, leaves them especially vulnerable to spiritual attack. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Last Battle, the last in the Narnia series, the main characters have just witnessed Tash, the terrifying god of the Kalormines, entering Narnia, an answer to a summons from the villain, who called on Tash as a bluff, not actually believing in him. After the monstrous vulture god calls the bluff and, spoiler alert, eats the irreverent villain, the good dwarf Poggin observes, quote, people shouldn't call for demons unless they really mean what they say. As the facade of secularism slips and people increasingly call, as humans always have, on invisible realities to help them, no one should be surprised if those realities actually answer. Now, Christians should know, because we've been told who and what we wrestle against, what we can offer to those looking for whatever it is that they are looking for in all the wrong places, is more than just another form of spirituality. We can introduce them to the one who made them, the one who defeated the forces of darkness, the one who always answers those who call on him. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Shane Morris. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, go to colsoncenter.org. Breakpoint is made possible by generous gifts from listeners like you. You can support this daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth on our website, breakpoint.org radio. That's breakpoint.org radio. 
This time yesterday, we had wide-ranging conditions across our region. Everybody now has been immersed in Arctic cold, and that'll be how our weekend starts. For this afternoon, brisk winds and cold, variable clouds and sun with lake flurries, and even a little lake snow accumulation of an inch or two in some spots southeast of Erie and Ontario. Temperatures steady, mostly in the teens and 20s. For tonight, some clouds, maybe a flurry. We're down the teens. Tomorrow, cloudy with a bit of light snow. High temps, mid-20s to mid-30s. Not as chilly Sunday, some sun. High temperatures then mid-30s to the middle 40s. All right, thank you very much, Kevin. I'm Mark Webster. You're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays, during the Noon Report, we give you direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues at the state capitals. They are Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute and Jason McGuire with New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Well, gentlemen, there is much to discuss. We'll begin in Harrisburg. Michael, back to business in the Pennsylvania house after a six-week hiatus they have resumed operations and uh, one of the big items they have approved there is this uh, sex abuse survivors bill gives victims more time to sue is this legislation that the pennsylvania family institute supports well it's one that we've been watching for a while actually it's a constitutional amendment that previously passed the general assembly and uh, was on its way to the ballot but then the uh, secretary of state at the time messed up in terms of the public notification, so that did not make it to the ballot. So this is a start over for that, and basically it's dealing with sexual abuse of minors in church settings, but also in school settings as well. Yeah, we'll watch see how that goes. We're not sure the votes are in the Senate yet. Jason, the New York yeah. Health Act is, is legislation actually the governor does not support, but it is gaining steam again in Albany. It bans private insurance mostly, and basically creates socialized medicine in New York State. How likely is this bill to gain any traction this session? Well, you know, universities Universal health care, this uh, single-payer system, the government-run health care, socialized medicine, as it's called, it is under negotiations in the state house right now. The health committee chairs in both the Assembly and in the Senate favor this. You noted the governor has stated previous opposition, uh, but we have some concerns that there may be some softening on that issue. Do I think it will happen this session? No. But we do see a constant uh, growth towards socialism in our state, and certainly we see it in health care areas as well. Yeah. I want to spend a minute talk about capital punishment that made news this week in pennsylvania michael but jason i want to get your thoughts as well Uh, the governor has had a change of heart and when he was running for attorney general he supported capital punishment now he says no uh, he won't sign any death warrants and by the way he wants the general assembly to abolish it altogether. why that change of heart from the governor well, there are a number of factors that uh, play into it. He talks about his uh, young son uh, asking him the question, you know, why would the government put someone to death? And uh, he said that started him thinking and that maybe created his change of heart. The other part of Josh Shapiro that lots of people have known even before he became governor is that he has sights on becoming the president of the United States. And as part of that, he's kind of tacking a middle-of-the-road economic policy on a number of issues. But on social issues, he's tacking very much to the left. Worth noting, there 
been seven fatal shootings of police officers in this country, and three of them are in your state, Michael. State Senator Mike Regan says cop killers deserve the death penalty. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, just within about a day of the governor announcing his opposition to the death penalty was the shooting of a Temple University police officer in Philadelphia by a a young man who had just turned 18. But not only did he shoot this police officer after doing a carjacking, but then he stood over the policeman and shot him three more times in the head and then went through his pockets. You know, this is a terrible kind of evil. And maybe the death penalty is warranted. Yeah, the death penalty has been off the table for a while in New York, Jason, but it's it's a good discussion to have. You know, critics of capital punishment, you know, good people can agree to disagree on this. But critics of the death penalty often argue that it's hypocritical for someone who claims to be pro-life to support the death penalty. Why is that fallacy, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, even in the pro-life community, there's disagreement as, as many support the death penalty and many oppose it. For me, I look to the scriptures for the guidance on this issue. In Genesis 9-6, says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. And so we see that there is the protection of innocent human life and recognizing that there are times when life will have to be taken as a punishment for murder. Hmm. And there has to be laws. There has to be respect for human life. And I believe the death penalty is one of the proper punishments for the taking of innocent human life. All right. Well, let's talk about Satan clubs for a minute. Uh, It's made news in both states. Uh, Michael, we'll begin with you, Lehigh Valley. Saucon Valley School District had to close this week because there was an incident at the school related to a Satan club that exists there at the school. Why are we starting to see about a dozen of them now, these after-school Satan clubs that are geared towards toward elementary age students. Yeah, the school uh, district is between uh, Easton and uh, Allentown. It's- What's going on is this national kind of Satan organization is pushing this wherever they see a Christian club, Good News Club, uh, showing up. And a number of those are happening here in Pennsylvania. And basically, it's just an attempt to try to, I think, force schools to say, okay, we're not going to have Christian clubs either, is really what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, Jason, uh, a Satan club last week uh, said it's going to be setting up shop in an elementary school in the main Endwell district. That's near Binghamton. The school says there's nothing they can do to stop it. If that is true, where do we draw the line here with who can start clubs at school? Yeah, it's partially true. I mean, Michael's correct. I think this is part of a national strategy to try to remove Christian influence from after-school clubs. And Christians have to be careful that we don't take the bait on this, because while there is this equal access out there, if they force out these so-called Satan clubs, then you will see the removal of of every form of of Christian club as well. Yeah, this is a definite strategy by the, the Satanic Temple and what they're doing here. Michael, Senator John Fetterman may be in the hospital for a while. Uh, He has a clinical depression. We wish him all the best, but he's only been in office eight weeks. Do you think that uh, Pennsylvanians may be having some voter regret here? And do you think that there was a concerted effort in the campaign to conceal how ill he really was? Yeah, there is certainly voter regret in many cases. Actually, voter regret was expressed uh, to people on Election Day, people who voted early and then after having cast their ballot. Then they saw the debate and realized that he was not even able to put a coherent sentence together. I actually talked to someone who was at the voting booth uh, outside, and some people said, is it possible to re-vote on the Senate race? Of course it was not. So that voter regret has existed there, and yeah, I think there was a concerted effort to keep him in the basement, basically, uh, throughout the campaign. Gotcha. 
sports betting is a huge story. It's a huge industry now in uh, New York. Jason, uh, Congressman Paul Tonka, a Democrat, introducing a bill that would ban sports betting advertising. Why, in, in your opinion, is this a good idea? Well, you know, the gambling industry is a predatory enterprise, and essentially they're using the uh, FCC to go ahead and promote the wares of uh, sports gambling. It's extremely dangerous, particularly for young people. And just like we don't allow certain forms of advertising on public broadcasting, you know, such as tobacco, there ought to be bans on sports betting as well. Yeah. You mentioned today's young people. I want to end with the revival, that uh, nonstop two-week experience at Asbury University in Kentucky. You know, so much we poo-poo on today's youth, Michael, but this is an amazing example of how kids today get it right, too. What's been your thoughts, uh, observations, as you look at what has transpired there in Kentucky the past couple weeks? Part of it is just the notion or the idea and the fact that God does intervene in society. God does intervene in human history. He's uh, superintending every day, but he also uh, does move on the hearts of human beings to bring change. That's something we pray for, and I certainly hope this spreads in a way that really changes our culture. Yeah, I watched the, the sermon that was given on the 8th, uh, the chapel service. It wasn't anything, you know, fire and brimstone or anything. It was just kind of a, you oh. know, sermon on love, Jason, and then all of a sudden, this happens. And a lot of people are asking, now we see it in Texas A&M and Baylor and Cedarville and all these campuses all over the country, not even Christian colleges, but it begs the question, Jason, why now? Well, I think that actually there is some reaction to the pandemic that has brought about these conditions. You know, if you read through the scriptures, you'll see the world conditions will often lead towards certain actions. I'll read the book of Judges, you'll see that God sends a deliverer at just the right time. And I think that what we're seeing is now the separation, the anxiety, all of the uh, things that occurred during the pandemic have left a longing for connectedness. And thankfully, as we often say in this program, that our greatest need is spiritual, not political. Uh, perhaps a young generation is showing us that really our path forward is really a path that seeks the face of God. Yeah, it'll be amazing to see uh, the fruit from this revival. And I'm sure both of you guys are going to be writing about this on your websites. If you have questions about any of the issues discussed today, uh, we've been a lot of places. Michael, where can folks find you online? PAFamily.org. And what is New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms? Why do you exist? You can find out more online, Jason. Your website, sir. AlbanyUpdate.com. Thank you, gentlemen. Capital Connection airs Fridays during the Noon Report or online anytime at FamilyLife.org. Just ahead, for one troubled turtle, Legos have him back in the fast lane. The hair confident that he had to race one, laid down and took a nap. <laughs> With the result that the tortoise beat the hair. <laughs> oh, the tortoise beat the hair! Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Well, this time yesterday, we had wide-ranging conditions across our region, including freezing drizzle near Lake Ontario and sunshine with temperatures in the 60s in parts of central Pennsylvania. Everybody now has been immersed in Arctic cold, and that'll be how our weekend starts. Very chilly. For this afternoon, brisk winds and cold, variable clouds and sun with lake flurries, and even a little lake snow accumulation of an inch or two in some spots southeast of Erie and Ontario. Temperatures steady, mostly in the teens and 20s. For tonight, some clouds, maybe a flurry. We're down the teens. Tomorrow, cloudy with a bit of light snow. High temps, mid-20s to mid-30s. Not as chilly Sunday, some sun. High temperatures then mid-30s to the middle 40s. Thank you very much, Kevin Williams. Finally at noon. Lieutenant Dye. 
Hello, Forrest. You got new legs. New legs. Magic legs. Well, he was a pitiful sight. A box turtle in Mississippi, nicknamed Lieutenant Dan for the Forrest Gump character, because he'd lost his back legs after being hit by a car. Fatal flaw in the wild, but he was rescued as a foster pet by a teacher, and thanks to some clever and industrious kids in her school's Lego club, this Lieutenant Dan is rolling along again, thanks to some back wheels they improvised for him, budding engineer River DeHaven. It just is really cool seeing like a turtle in like its own little tiny car. I just like the idea of like things that move. So I thought it was really cool seeing a turtle in a little car pushing itself around. Making the turtle be able to go outside and have fun and enjoy itself was definitely a good feeling. We can only imagine. The team of 9- to 14-year-olds spent a couple of hours building and perfecting the device, which Velcros onto the turtle's back. Come springtime, they hope he'll be able to roll outside and do some supervised exploring. Time for us to roll out of here. That's the world we live in for Friday, February 24th, 2023. As always, we thank you for listening. Have a blessed weekend. I'm Mark Webster, Family Life News. You've been listening to The Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.